here we go, I'm on. Here's the juice box, here we are. We're gonna start this episode now. Get ready for the compound. Kit chicken mixing. Yep, chicken, chicken mixing. <laughs> alright, alright, I'm gonna plug you back in, that's good. Plug yeah. him back in. You're plugged in. The intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops. Politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh, that actually is the end of. That's it. Uh, we just talk culture and shit. That's definitely all getting included. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So, where were we when we last left off with Henry and Hops? I have no idea. I think we were talking about campaign finance reform. Okay. And I think we were on a coffee episode. But guess what, guys? We're back on beer. Yeah, coffee's good, but it's nighttime now. Yeah, so we can drink beer again. So yeah. what do you got today, Hunter? Pardon? What are, you, what are you drinking today? Tonight? Oh, man, I'm drinking one of my favorite value Imperial IPAs, which is a phrase you don't hear very often, if I don't mind saying so myself. And um, I, I have heard it, like, maybe once. I'm wondering what, what this beer is. In what context? <laughs> Mostly uh, with, like, local beers, and only in Allentown. And it's really just that triple IPA. It's not even a... It's not even... It's not even an Imperial. It's a triple yeah, I know. Fagley's? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. a good value IPA, triple oh, IPA, yeah. but that's the only one I know. That is really the ultimate, and even that isn't cheap because it's no. also like eleven five, and so it's a great deal for what you get if you're also factoring alcohol content like a cheapskate like I am one to do. Um, <laughs> then it's awesome. But that being well, you said... you split a beer with a friend. You know, or, you know, you split a few, yeah, and then... No, I'm just saying, like, like one per how many you would normally have per each having a beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, That's which is why there's justification for serving it in, like, eight-ounce pours or whatever, you know, in a bar. But Yeah, well, that's even dumber, because that doesn't save on the money. Because <laughs> they still charge, yeah. Well, what I'm actually drinking is not that. I'm drinking Pyramid, which is a brewery that I never drink, usually, because I'm not a big fan of Hefeweizen. Which seems to be their flagship beer, right? Their uh, Pyramid Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. But no, they make a beer called Outburst Imperial IPA, which is a dry hopped, basically Imperial in the Pale Ale. And I don't know if I've ever had this beer or seen it. Probably quite, seen it. It's quite decent. It's quite decent. Um, it's not... I mean, you can't really fuck up the style unless you make a really shitty beer so i'm gonna say that it it is it's above par even but it's not incredible but the big the big draw for me is they always sell it at this uh, grocery store in san francisco called um lucky lucky Gro- do you have that's not new york right no right no not that i know of. yeah lucky it's like a weird it's even like a weird one in sf to the extent that you don't really see it that often but they used to have it on sale, twelve packs, and that's a nice thing because the grocery store, that's like stupid close, like a half a block from my house, like around the corner, 
is yeah, um, and you usually only see like locals or uh, or like you know the the big the big macro brews or maybe like Pabst in like a twelve. Well, and like actually, the grocery store hardly has any. It's only cans. It's like Sierra Nevada, and then yeah, Bud, Pabst, etc. But um. The grocery store, this grocery store, it's kind of a funky, not funky, but it's like uh, Safeway-esque, which is the other big guys out here, but a little smaller. And they have a pretty decent craft beer selection. They have a lot of 22s, and actually what I'm going to crack into later, I got there too, a nice 22 that we'll talk to you in a minute, talk, talk about in a minute. We'll talk to it as well, kind of tell it, <laughs> ask it how, how after, it's after After you drink it. <laughs> hey, buddy, was, oh, that, nice was that as good for you as it was for me? Wonderful. Um, and then put it on my wall of accomplishments. But um, <laughs> so this beer, literally, dude, this beer used to be twelve packs. It was um, twelve ninety nine before tax and uh, deposit. Crazy, mm-hmm. right? Really yeah. good deal. Oh, yeah, thirteen bucks. So it'd be like maybe fifteen out the door after everything. And, and that's for a twelve pack. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. Mm. But it's, um, it's still on sale now. Uh, but it was down to fifteen ninety nine for a twelve pack. But you know what? Still paid it because it's a good deal. Still, still very worth it. Yeah, because yeah, I eight. just paid ten dollars for a six pack of a very low alcohol content. So by that, but wasn't it a good beer though? Probably. Job. Yeah, theoretically, that's I. I think it's great. I just like I'd never ten dollars is the going rate right, though. What? Especially in New York City. Well, here too, honestly, like ten dollars is pretty much the going rate. That's what you're gonna pay. Yeah. So yeah, I got. I'm drinking a six point jammer. Ooh. It's uh, their their ghosts. It's an ale brewed with a sea salt and coriander. Oh damn. And um, it's it's very tasty, very uh, uh, refreshing. Um, like most ghosts, it has a little bit of that tart flavoring. It's kind of. I always feel like Ghost is like the wheat alternative of uh, sours. Yeah. When it's like more, so it's more like a like a Hefeweizen sort of within a sour uh, profile. So mm-hmm. there's like got that wheat. It's a wheat front taste, and then the back is sort of like a tart citrus. Mm-hmm. In this case, with a little salt and coriander, which is actually really nice. I was a bit worried it was gonna taste too much like a, a sort of like Blue Moon dealio, mm-hmm. but no. Six point as usual manages to impress. Killing it. They really are, especially in New York. I mean, right now, like, they're usually the best for price. Sorry, Brooklyn. Make some better beers. Yeah, right. I like mm. one and two, but like your your usuals are now old hat. Let's get started. Mmm. Sorry, I'm munching really hard over here. Mmm. What are you eating? More importantly, well, I got this flyer in the mail for this like new food delivery service, and they gave me ten dollars off my first meal. So I ordered it. Sorry, mm, it's pretty tasty. And I got this meal ordered online, and it's like a Thai spicy pork dish that it's over rice and get some green beans here. Mmm pretty tasty i'm not gonna lie it's pretty damn nice. good yeah awesome i'm gonna shut up with it all right man are you ready to talk some campaign finance 
Mm-hmm. Give me like five more seconds. Okay, sounds good. Uh, mm. During that time, let's just review kind of where we were during the last episode. We talked uh, campaign finance reform, basically the history of how we got to Citizens United, because that's kind of where we decided the focus of the modern era of discussing campaign finance reform begins. Um, and then we discussed uh, the Citizens United uh, ruling and the dissent and um, also, you know, uh, large philosophical proliferation of the ideas and theories behind that movement and how that's invaded society a little bit. And now we're starting to talk about how people are starting to react finally. And we were going to, I think we just started with the Occupy movement and then just kind of ended if I remember properly. Or maybe we hadn't even gotten there yet, but I feel like that's where we were headed. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like the next thing is is that after Citizens United, there was there was an extreme negative reaction from sort of this... Uh, both... It's interesting because it came from both the, like, extreme liberal and extreme libertarian sides of, of uh, the public. Um... And, and they united for, for a, a cause that where, where two groups who had not come together in the past saw eye to eye on something that seemed bigger than themselves for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, to the point that, like, I was looking today, I was trying to, because I, I know we're later going to end up talking about, like, Bernie Sanders, as we mentioned, uh, and his campaign finance reform acts. But I was trying to find, like, where, where did he start with these kind of bills? And the first thing I find was this uh, Federal Reserve Transparency Act. Do you know about this one? How long ago was that? Uh, September 2010. No. And I have was, no idea. And it was co-sponsored by Ron Paul. So you want to talk <laughs> about like bridging a gap there. That's great. Um, like Those are two people who are obviously very independent-minded uh, and, and don't really see eye-to-eye with their parties, but usually don't see eye-to-eye with each other either. Well, it's funny because, uh, right, they're so far on the fringe that they c- sometimes come together on the other side of things, right? Yeah, exactly. They loop and, back And around. that seems to be, it, it's almost like because they're so, it's like where they're the most honest, that's where they come together, you know? Yeah. Like, they're both, yeah. I, be, I, feel, I feel like they're both. That's like, a good I, point. I, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting to see. Like this, I, I wish this act had gotten more press at the time. Obviously, I had never heard of it until today. So, and we did a whole other episode on this, and I was not going to talk about it. But I was looking into this today, and I felt like this was something I should bring up. And and I think that it's um, this. It, it, what's interesting is like this introduction that he wrote on this. Um, he wrote, when Fed Chair Ben Bernanke refuses to give us information about the trillions of dollars of credit that he recently passed out in the bailout process because he thought that would be counterproductive, he's really saying it's none of your business. And he's also talking about like the later stuff with political donations, but here we go. Right. Um, One thing I've noticed in studying the issue is that the more power the Fed has gained, the greater the secrecy they demand. And I think this is true of all federal processes. Uh, transparency is currently a hot issue in Congress because the people have awoken and have sent a message. This is not a conservative or liberal issue. It's not a Republican or Democratic issue. It is pervasive across the political spectrum. So, I, I think that that's like I think that's very true of of all of the 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 reactions towards both the banking bailouts and then what happened with Citizens United, which seemed almost a protection against any sort of 
repercussions for what happened due to the financial collapse. Yeah, absolutely. And it was the people that actually didn't have stuff to lose that were the ones that were speaking out, right? Right, right, exactly. And uh, that was the whole problem. But that wasn't. But I feel like we're not. We're only now embracing this movement in in a real political way. Before it felt like it was more of a. I don't know what was happening with Occupy. I think that's the big issue with Occupy is that there was a lot of ideas floating around that are still floating around and like led into Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders stuff, but like they never really concretely did anything. You know. What. I don't know if they could have. Uh, Occupy the movements like it was it was very much on a movement about like trying to get together ideas and I feel like there was an ending goal that there was just never it was never illuminated or like what was what would have been the goal at the oh end man of the day? nobody you, knew well I have a lot of opinions and words on this topic but to be quite frank with you I really don't even want to broach it right now I just feel Why? like I feel like that's another episode. And I'm happy to like. Okay, fair enough. You know, I'm happy to like delve but can into you, that can, in depth. Can you at least say something like about like, like? Do you feel like? Do you feel like it was as successful as a movement, like in some way? I guess. Well, um, you know what? In short, yes, yes, absolutely and wholeheartedly, yes, it was successful as a movement, and I think it it might have been a failure from the perspective of those who were both on the inside and outside right towards the end but if you think about the origin and you think about how it manifested itself not only in the origin point in Zuccotti Park but as well as all over the country and the world it far 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 and away exceeded expectations and for those that don't know the entire concept. You know about this? You know where it came from? No. Really? Oh man, juice box. That's okay. I'm about to tell you. So, it came from good old Adbusters, a wonderful publication from our friends to the north in Canada. Um, I believe it's out of Toronto, but it might be Vancouver or on another um, metropolitan Canadian area. Basically, they called for a occupation of Wall Street on this date, I, so September 17th. Right, right. I remember like this. A situation. call to action by the yeah, publication as a whole. Yeah, public. Yeah. So that's what's that's funny. A, and, Most people don't know that, you know? Yeah, well, I, I, I had forgotten all about that, and I definitely never knew it was out of Canada. Like, that's, that's really interesting because it feels so... <laughs> Yeah. centralized to wall street that it it seems like it would be far removed um yeah well, but it's also interesting it's because funny. i feel like i you know we're talking about how the occupy was a, a global movement i feel like it was a very you know relatively small group of people but on a global scale who were reacting to the same issue because it's an issue that that ties together people from different nations yeah and then that, on the other definitely. on yeah. the other side we have the other reaction to um to Citizens United and and the bailouts, which was basically uh, the Tea Party movement, right? Yeah. And the Tea Party movement, the lib or uh, and the like, the ideas of the libertarian movement. Well, um, those are very different. Well, yes, but I feel like originally they were tied together, right? 
that was the original uh, purpose. No, like no. it's like at one point they were they were one and the same, and then they grew very far apart very quickly. No. Well, what's your understanding of the origin of the uh, Tea Party? It's not really about the like origins of the the Tea Party as like a name. I'm I'm not really talking about like the name. The organization came together as like a fundraising group for like a specific group of people, almost like a pack, but within like uh, with like public donors. I feel like. Well, um, well, that's what a pack is, I guess. Pack can be public donors as well. I think. Right, but usually it's like a you know, a few public donors and not so many. Like mm-hmm. it's like one one or two entities. Well, can I anyway? Is it is it appropriate for me to um, give a uh, give a talk on the origin of the Tea Party? Party. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, of course. Is there time? I was just gonna let me just say really quickly that that my my. The th- interesting thing that I pulled from what you were saying about that is that the Tea Party was very much a nationalist movement, obviously based in name, and both, uh, both name and recognition. Like it didn't, it didn't grow beyond Amer- American borders in the same way the Occupy movement did, because it's not a global issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issues became more uh, patriotic and nationalistic than libertarian uh, after a very short period of time. I think as a result of that of the limit of their movement which Wait, i had never say, thought of before say it again sorry i said i said part of the reason and i may be wrong about this because i may be wrong in in my naive presumptions about some of the foundations of the the public's reaction to the tea party movement but i was saying that these libertarian values kind of got corrupted and turned into like nationalistic patriotic values again mm-hmm. and i feel like that that value system may have been in place because it was only a nationalist movement. It was not something that was a global issue, so they couldn't respond to anything other than to build up an audience in this country. Right. Anyway, totally, yeah. totally separate thought. Go, go ahead. Tea Party Foundation. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and just play it. Sorry. Okay. Ready? Ready. Glued to it because Mr. Ross has nailed it. You know, the the government is promoting bad behavior because we certainly don't want to put stimulus for it and give people a whopping eight or ten dollars in their check and think that they ought to save it. And in terms of modifications, I'll tell you what, I have an idea. You know, the, the new administration's big on computers and technology. How about this, President and new administration? Why don't you put up a website to have people vote on the internet as a referendum to see if we really want to subsidize the losers' mortgages or would we like to at least buy cars and buy houses in foreclosure and give them to people that might have a chance to actually prosper down the road and reward people that could carry the water instead of drink the water. That's a novel idea. Hey, hey Rick, can you... What?
scaring you. You know, Cuba used to have mansions and, and a relatively decent economy. They moved from the individual to the collective. Now they're driving 54 Chevys. Maybe the last great car to come out of Detroit. They, they're driving them on water, too, which is a little strange to watch. Uh, at, at there you time. go. Hey, Rick, how about the notion that... Wilbur pointed out you can go down to two percent on the mortgage. You can go down to minus two percent and still have forty percent and still have forty percent not be able to do it. So why are they in the house? Why are we trying to I keep mean, them I in know the house? Mr. Summers is a great economist, but boy, I'd love the answer to that one. Jason, Jason, you want to? We're thinking of having a Chicago Tea Party in July. Listen. So it basically literally started as one man's political super PAC. As his rant, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, that, isn't that all how, how all super PACs start? I mean, look at even even the parody one, like Stephen Colbert started on, like, him, like, he wanted to do something about the political campaign, and so he created this, you know? Yeah, but you know what I say? is that, like, What a lot of people say is that within minutes or seconds... This entire shit, like, there was a website built to the, you know, Chicago Tea Party and other Tea Party and this and that. So, like, it was all orchestrated as far as I'm concerned. I think he was paid to say Tea Party, quite frankly. That might be Very possible. Or it's possible it's just something that, you know, you know, was embraced immediately as a, a resounding terminology to use across the board. Because, like, that that's the one thing I'll say. Like, if, if you ever want to talk about i i'm always talking about this that that, that if like for, as much as i disagree with neo-capitalists they are really good at marketing things yeah of course like that's that's like we could learn so much about speaking to people as a whole from just the way that that they've been able to market to the masses i mean i just mean in like the way that they're able to connect to people yeah. Um, in terminology. No, totally. And I feel dude. like this is one of those things where they they used a, a phrase which harkens back to an idea of revolution and founding fathers and you know all these things that are what America is in the in these people's eyes that that surmises their problems that they feel like Obama's changing tradition. You know, Obama's changing. But but I don't think I don't think the Tea Party's foundation, at least in the way that they talk about it initially, was was necessarily uh, a reaction to Obama as much as a reaction to, you know, big, big government, big business as a whole, you know? Wait, maybe I'm wrong about that. Say it again. I was saying that I felt like, uh, despite that rant, the public that showed up for that, for those first, like, few, when, it, when you look at the speakers who were speaking early on in the Tea Party circuit, it seems like it was a lot of people like Ron Paul early on. Am I wrong about that? No, it was a little bit more. Um, no, you're right though. Actually, it was pretty. It was pretty libertarian bent, but I think a lot of it was just like uh, uh, what you call that, like uh, reawakened, reawoken Republicans, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, well, I think it was just re it was reawoken like nationalistic, uh, militaristic sort of jargon at a certain point. But I feel like it started like people credit Ron Paul as the father of the Tea Party, and I feel like there like it started as a libertarian um, complaint that came out of you know a lot of these same decisions that birthed the Occupy movement. And it's interesting that we haven't been able to meet up since then because uh, like it seemed like at that time, like I said with that Bernie Sanders Ron Paul 
Bill, that there was a time when we when we agreed on these things, Man. and since then we've let we've let the like, you know, the powers that be twist our minds away from that agreement. Well, that brings me to a great thing. Can I? Um, do you think? Do you mind if I uh, crack my next beer and talk about it, and then we can get to that? that no, right? go right ahead. All right, yeah. I'm gonna get it on the. Ooh, do you hear that? Doesn't it sound nice? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Very yeah. Nice. This is a good beer. I think. No, I'm just kidding. I've had it before. It's Port Brewing. It's Old Viscosity <laughs> Ale. It's a deliciously dark beer that has been aged on uh, oak barrels. Delicious. Mm. Oh, shit. And I spilled some on the couch. Don't tell Sarah. This is going to be recorded. She doesn't listen to this podcast. So we're good. Sarah, you should listen to this podcast. I'm shocked. Yeah, well. This is one reason. Jada and my mom listen. Yeah, there were, there are two of our listeners. I'm gonna cut this part out. Mm. <laughs> it's rather self-deprecating. Oh my god, so good. Hmm. Ten percent. Hmm. All right, what were we talking about? Was this a twenty-two ouncer? Yeah. You're getting drunk tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye to Hunter for the rest of the podcast, folks. <laughs> And now, a short commercial interlude brought to you by some of our favorite sponsors. Hi, I'm Paul John Ranger. And I'm John Paul Ranger. We've gotten a lot of flack as of late for supposedly coordinating my campaign with my super PAC. Now, we are conjoined twins. And as a result, we're never physically in two different spaces. And yes, we share most of our vital organs. But here's the thing. We, we don't, don't share, share a brain. brain. And the fact that we have two heads and two points of view means that we have very different perspectives. For example, I support the free market. Well, I just want more deregulation. And I support a decrease in welfare. Well, I would just like to see an end to unnecessary handouts. And most strikingly, I support free consumer trade of raisins. While I will only support state tariffs on the raisin trade. So, as you can see, we couldn't possibly be coordinating on John campaign. Paul's campaign. That would be ridiculous. This message brought to you by the PJR Super PAC. Not at all in conjunction with John Paul Ranger's campaign for governor. And as a reminder, please vote for John Paul Ranger this fall. Nighty night, bitches. <laughs> Alright, um, what were we talking um, about? Well, last we were at, I was saying that, like, it, it, it's interesting to me that right after this movement, it felt like there was some agreement about how to proceed on both sides of the aisle and that we we're now at a moment when it feels like we can't see eye to eye on anything to do with the economics again um which feels like it, it but it feels like there is that core issue that we keep going back to that that is citizens united that is this feeling that they the big business screwed over either the public or the government or like screwed over the system as a whole and rigged it and we're all screwed by it. We just have different ways of approaching how to fix that. But we've all recognized that that's the problem. We just keep like being distracted by all these, you know, minor social issues, which isn't to say they aren't important, but they're we we can solve this one problem and then move on to other things, you know? Well, make it much easier to talk about those other things. We can solve exactly. We can solve the 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 one problem and then 
you can have a meaningful discussion about all other issues. And yeah, exactly. And it, but but the, we can't. Yeah, but it's meaningless to take on you know small like like in like you know whether we're talking about. Uh, Tread lightly. There's a there's there is a billion micro issues that we could be talking about right now, that are very important in terms of American social life, but those issues come secondary to being able to discuss those issues on a mass level. And if we can't all agree that we have to be able to have basic free speech, and that means free speech unfiltered, you know, of, untethered of money. Yeah. Like, we can't, we're not going to make any progress on any of these issues that's meaningful beyond, like, you know, very, very um, two-dimensional progress. I'm sorry. My, my words are also leaving me at this point in the podcast. I worked a 12-hour shift today, guys. Let's let's give me some slack. I worked, like, a six-and-a-half-hour shift, so give me a little bit of slack. You're also drinking more than I am now, so you should remember less. I'm just doing badly. Mm. No, I'm not. Guys, drinking affects your memory. No, it doesn't. This is a warning. There are bad effects of alcohol. Look them up. We're now continuing on. I don't think so. So, the final thing we were going to talk about was, like, ways to really solve this problem outside of, that that might um, unite the voting populace. And one of the things we talked about last time that we mentioned lightly was this idea of voting with dollars, which I know you said was not called voting with dollars, but like I said, that's what the Yale Law School professors who coined it I looked it up. It's called that. You were right. Okay, so, yeah, basically the idea is that you get a publicly funded voucher to donate to federal political campaigns. So we all get like, basically like a $50 tax credit. That's what I've been saying for credit. years, Juicebox. Yeah, no, and they've been saying it for years too. They wrote this book in 2002. I, I wrote mean, this book been... in 2001, so. <laughs> you should really call up those Yale Law School professors. Get your uh, cut of that money. Well, I didn't call it voting with dollars. I called it fucking one citizen, one vote. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, with um, money, with money, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's it's a very simple system that basically, like I said, gives people like a tax credit that you can spend for political donations, and that's all anyone it gets. Like whether you're a per, whether you're like a working class person or a CEO or whatever position. Well, what about society, corporations? Have, they get nothing, right? Well, it, well. Yes, they would get nothing, but theoretically, under the Patriot Act, they would get $50. I mean, not under the Patriot Act, Citizens United. Holy crap, what am I doing? I said, theoretically, let's take it back. Theoretically, under the Citizens United, they would get $50, but that'd be it. You couldn't spend any more than $50 on any campaign, you know? Per, per corporation? Per corporation, yeah. Okay. Theoretically. That's I don't fair. think, I don't think, I think, I think once you start to divvy up money that way, it becomes so pointless for the corporations that they probably wouldn't fight for it anymore. Uh, I also think that once it once you start divvying up money like that and you show how political donations work, that uh, people will become... Um, it will become so transparent why there's an issue with Citizens United because we're just giving the corporations money to vote, which is essentially what we're doing now with subsidies. 
but mm. we don't define it that way. Yeah, what I like to say to people is subsidies nuts, you know what I'm saying? Sure. I think I think that could even be a commercial. Can we cut to a subsidies nuts commercial? Yeah. Subsidies nuts. They're delicious. And, and grown in the central <laughs> valley. As where, long as they're not almonds. Yeah, not we just almonds. really need some water. <laughs> Please? Please give uh, us All we water. need is water. Just and we a can grow bit, almonds. Just a little bit of water. We can have almond milk forever. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you know what's funny? Uh, yesterday, Sarah got some uh, what they called maple water at Trader Joe's in the carton, and it's like um, it's like basically it's what they call young sap where I'm from, right? Yeah. You, f- you feel me, homie? You get you feel yeah, me? Yeah, I've never had it. I didn't know they sold it at Trader Joe's. Yeah, well, it's like supposedly it's the shit that you boil down into um, into maple syrup, right? Right, the, the clear stuff that comes out of the tree. Right, and I tried it, and I was like, "Nope, that's not it's not it." Can't I mean? I don't know. Is it just water that they added maple syrup to? Because I bet that's what it Dude, is. Dude, that is exactly well. To be clear, on the thing, it's explicitly like, "This is the water that comes from a young maple tree." When the bloody bloody blah, but it basically takes taste exactly like water that has been a tiny teensy teensy bit of grade a maple syrup has been added to to make it like slightly sugary right yeah i i i don't buy it at all i because whenever i've had like like my dad now makes maple syrup from the one maple tree in our backyard no he does not he does he makes one bottle he can only make one bottle a year (laughs) Really though, he taps his own tree, huh? Yeah, yeah, he has he has a little tap and a, a bucket out there. All he right, just okay. started doing this a few years ago, and um, and I've never like during that stuff. I mean, that's just like sap, basically, like a giant sap bucket with water. Like you wouldn't that wouldn't taste good at all. No, it's not sap though. It's not like sticky. It's no, watery. I know, but I'm saying that's but that's that watery stuff. It would still taste like dirt water. You know what I mean? Like, even if you filtered it out, it wouldn't taste good. Well, I just ta- you... I just tasted some, dude. Did you, though? Yeah. Isn't that what we started with? Well, did you? It, well, okay, yeah, you're right. Like, did I? I don't know. It was very cheap, too. Well, all right, before we end, before we end on campaign finance reform, because we've gotten way off topic at this point, for sure. <laughs> I don't think we even really talked um, about campaign finance reform at all. I think we did. We talked a lot about uh, like the Occupy movement and Tea Party and Bernie Sanders and all these other things that are a result of the Citizens United and the campaign finance reform. Yeah, but I really uh, want to dive movement. deeper. But I want to dive deeper into the whole um, one person, one vote. Vote. Well, with go your ahead. That's what I said. Mo- this is money. your chance. No, I mean preach. What did you call it? Voting for dollars. Voting, voting with, with dollars. Voting with dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the future. That's how you do it. And I guess the whole, the next thing is like the transitionary period. It has to be voluntary for the foreseeable future. That's the, that's the kind of the issue. And that's going to need essentially honest um, politicians to be able to take, take on the reins 
and be able to say, yes, this is something that we need to pass. And eventually, I hope that it can become mandatory for the simple fact that that'll effectively neutralize corporate dollars, right? It'll render, it, there'll be non-factor, won't exist. 100%, yep. And it seems to be an issue that is supported by both parties, except well, for people like Mitch McConnell. Well, I mean, which that, is, that's the thing, dude. No, it's not both parties. It's only the honest folks of both parties. Yeah, but even people like John McCain, John McCain's constantly harping on about campaign finance reform, and I feel like he, you know, at times old. is not the most honest politician. No, but he's been going on about it. Like, it's his issue. Like, he's talks about it for, like, 15 years, you know? It's the only, it's the only issue I agree with him on, really. Yeah. That one. Um, so, like, I'm saying, like, there are, there are major party members, the old school Republicans there who aren't, the, who aren't the new Tea Party Republicans are actually the ones who are, like, really embrace this idea of campaign finance reform. Um, yeah, because like, they all realize and, that they're all fucked because they all spend so much time campaigning. That's horrible, right? Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. Uh, and I, but I feel like I, I uh, where was I? Sorry. Oh, that that uh, this issue is still solvable. It's still something that we can, you know, agree on and do something about. Uh, but I, I also don't know, like, the main thing for me is that there are certain people who are resisting that change, who are constantly perpetrating. As we said, this whole thing started with, like, one bill in reaction to another bill, which was a reaction to another bill. And, and it just continues this way where we keep making incremental changes one way or the other, and it's constantly just moving slower and slower in the corporation's favor. You know, like, it's like we move it slightly towards the corp we move it uh, towards the corporations then we move it slightly back towards the people then we move it way more towards the corporations then again slightly back <laughs> towards the people yeah and then way more to the corporations again yeah and it's like yeah it, yeah it, it, it's my, all bullshit yeah my point yeah my point is that there were certain people like mitch mcconnell especially mitch mcconnell as it turns out who are keeping this system in place and if we just single out those people, and they are, like, we can look up who the people are who are dissenting on these votes repeatedly, we could vote them out of Congress and then bring in people who would vote for these kind of things. Okay, well, I think that's an excellent, um, do you mind if I take the stage for a second? Go ahead, yes. That's an excellent Not transition because that is literally the mission of Mayday Pack. Have you heard of this? Ah, yes. Oh, well, only because you brought it up in, like, an early podcast, but that was, like, a year ago. So I All don't right, well, let's, let me bring it up in full-on, like, balls-to-the-wall podcast. Let me feature this as a feature in this podcast. So. All right, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna pop open another one. Here we go. Go. What are you drinking? Almost got uh, Same thing. I almost got it on the microphone, though. Yeah, good. That's what we like to hear. So, anyhow, I, um... I really want to make a plug for this. And let me be clear, like, obviously I have no connection to this, like, besides just being... I'm going to move my, move my mic closer. I hope it doesn't fuck up things, but I think my levels will be better. <coughs> levels. There's levels to this shit. Meek Mill, there's levels to this shit. Yeah, that's better. Um, so, dude, basically, here's the deal. Made a pack. The pack to end all packs, literally, right? The whole point is that you have this guy, his name's Lawrence Lessig, Professor Lessig from Harvard. He's a boss, he's awesome, and his whole thing is like campaign finance reform. 
the only way you can really beat uh, like push it through is to beat them at their own game and to try to uh, essentially elect people that have those have those values and are willing to vote along those lines both parties right so he's nonpartisan in that respect where they're trying to raise money from in a grassroots way from citizens and some like nonprofits to promote the like getting money out of politics agenda and that to a certain extent you're right it does cross the line and so they are supporting uh, politicians in both parties that are running in the whole idea is that they can spend money in competitive races and try to get people in seats that share that viewpoint and eventually you get enough seats that you could actually push through meaningful legislation right and in, in yeah. effect rendering all super PACs and PACs uh, neutral, like uh, neutralized, le- illegal, right? And that's what's so cool is that it's a, it's a, the, the pack to end all packs, right? Right, right. But how do you, uh, I guess, how, how does that pack aim to gain money to, to out, because it has to outspend every other pack that's out there in order to complete its goals. No, that's the thing. It doesn't have to outspend every other pack, because obviously the Koch brothers are like, dropping over a billion dollars collectively this election cycle so you can't help to compete with that so basically you target the people or rather the races right that are the most competitive and have a candidate that is running that has a clear stance on uh, getting money out of politics and then you throw money behind those types of candidates strategically in mostly national races, but I think they are uh, dabbing a little bit in, uh, in state races as well. I'm not, so, for wrong. example, what are some candidates that uh, May Day has supported in the past? and ha- Have they ever gotten a candidate elected or helped get a candidate elected, number one? And number two, uh, who are some candidates they support for upcoming elections? Well, the answer to your first question is absolutely yes. And the answer to your last question... Who, 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 I guess, are some of the first ones, then? Who are, like, some of the uh, politicians they've supported on their rise to the Senate or House? Well, I'm going to um, get that right now. Because, to be honest with you, dude, I don't actually know that offhand, but I know that... That's fine. I didn't expect you to. I thought you'd near the website, so... Looking at a little do 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 sort of Jeopardy music without getting sued here. I'm Man. looking. I'm looking into something. Well, see, here we go. Mayday Pack defends its campaign after most of its candidates lose. This is an article of, I pulled up right now. Uh, tooth from 2014, November yeah. 8th. Obviously, a big day. Um. So they yeah they did support a lot of people and they they couldn't the two day the two Mayday candidates who won. Conservative North Carolina Representative Walter Jones and Arizona Democrat Ruben Galaga, hoping I'm pronouncing those names correctly, uh, uh, both did it mostly without Mayday's help. Um, Mayday didn't get involved in those races until shortly before voters went to the polls. 
the other ones, the ones that they supported from the beginning, uh, did not work out in their favor. Um, so it's interesting because uh, because I do think it's a it's a really great idea, but I I also don't know how you can possibly stand up against an institution like that's that's what we're talking about at the beginning. It's like now that the system is rigged this way, how do you undo it? You're right, dude. I'm I'm reading this article in HuffPo. Where where are you at? In the same spot. I'm at Recode. Site I've never heard of, but I was just they were quoting other people who I do trust. No, it's a good it's a good Recode's a good site, yeah. But anyway, it's an interest it's interesting because like it it seems like that's once again, seems like an obvious solution to this problem, but it's just like is it feasible? Like is there anything we can actually do? So uh, this is to you, listeners out there. Please, if you have any ideas for campaign finance reform, start talking about them on our blog or your blog, and send us your entries because we we're looking for anything right now, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about your ideas next week or like any future week if you submit them. It won't be next week probably because this is released months afterwards, but it'll be whatever week we come well, up to. Well, also, like, to be fair, maybe it will be next week because if we get that shit in real time, maybe we'll do it because we don't really have any Well, I, I feel like we'll at least update it into the next episode after I've said such a bold statement in this one. But. Yeah, well, maybe if we have any listeners at all, then they can, like, uh, chime in and then we'll just also thank you in person. Yeah, and maybe down the line they'll even chime in. Like, chime in, even if it's been, like, a year since this episode came out, chime in, because I guarantee the issue isn't solved yet. Is Bernie Sanders president? I don't know. Let me know. (laughs) Well, I don't think even presidents will be elected in a year. No, not in a year. I was saying, like, maybe when you're listening to this podcast. Me? Who knows? No, not you. Whoever I'm talking to on the other side of this longest... Potosphere, I mean. Well, dude, when I get to it, it'll probably be a year from now, so that's fair. All right, fair enough. So even Hunter's not listening to our podcast. What'd you say? Talk about self-deprecating. I said even Hunter's not listening to our podcast. Talk about that? self-deprecating. Sorry, I, w- I wasn't listening. What'd you say? Oh, wait, do we really get to do it a third time? I said even Hunter's not listening to our podcast. Talk about self-deprecating. Henry and Hobbs. Henry and Hobbs. Henry and Ops! Henry and Ops! Henry and Ops! It's not safe, it's not safe, dog. Okay! Hey! Watch the wolf suit!